Welcome to the Shortwave Report. I'm your host and producer, Dan Roberts. The Shortwave Report is a 30-minute review of news and opinion heard on the shortwave radio and the internet in Northern California. Listening to international broadcast at home is quite easy. You could use a shortwave radio with a schedule of English language broadcast, or it's easier to use a computer or smartphone with an internet connection. To help you with this, I'll announce times, frequencies, and website addresses at the conclusion of each series of stories. At the website for this show, that's outfarpress.com. You can listen to the past five shortwave reports, find advice for listening to shortwave at home, and find internet links for global news sources. Please check it out and tell a friend. In today's edition, you'll hear reports from Afshin Ratansi's Going Underground and NHK World Radio Japan. This week, I have not had access to most international broadcasters because of extreme local weather, but I am happy to have the time to present the interview with Seymour Hirsch. We will begin with Afshin Ratansi's Going Underground. Afshin is a remarkable international journalist from Britain whose show, Going Underground, has been featured here many times over the past decade. After Russia Today was blocked due to EU and U.S. sanctions, he has had to move and now presents Going Underground on Rumble.com. He just interviewed Seymour Hirsch about who blew up the Nord Stream pipeline, cutting off gas supplies to Germany and causing the price of fuel to skyrocket globally. Hirsch revealed the My Lai Massacre in 1970, for which he was awarded the Pulitzer Prize. His distinguished career includes articles on Henry Kissinger, U.S. torture and secret prisons in the Iraq War. In this interview, Hirsch explains how the U.S. government detonated the Nord Stream natural gas pipeline last September and the motives behind the attack. He also speaks about the initial rejection of his report on the My Lai Massacre of being accused of being a conspiracy theorist and thoughts on Edward Snowden. Going Underground with Afshin Ratansi. This week marks one year since the international community began the long-awaited fight back against Washington hegemony as most of the world refused to sanction Russia when its forces moved into Donbass, Ukraine to protect its population eight years after a U.S.-backed coup that saw thousands killed. Within months of the EU and U.K. responding by backing U.S. sanctions on vital Russian energy, Joe Biden, Antony Blinken, Jake Sullivan, Victoria Newland, and the Norwegian government conspired to blow up multi-billion dollar energy pipelines supplying Germany, as well as September 2020. 22 being an ecological catastrophe, it resulted in a complete destabilization of energy prices that some blame for killing hundreds of thousands as the poor and vulnerable died of cold. At least that's according to the global exclusive scoop of the century made by one of the greatest journalists in history, Seymour Hirsch, famous for exposing the My Lai massacre that became emblematic of U.S. slaughter of millions in Vietnam, Cambodia and Laos to the NATO nation use of torture in Iraq. The former New York Times journalist and author of Reporter and Memoir joins me from his home in Washington, D.C. It's a historical fact that uh, the United States manipulated uh, intelligence and, and invented um, an attack that didn't exist uh, in 1964 to drive the Congress to give the president what he wanted, authority to do everything. And it's also um, uh, pretty true right now that uh, this presidency, it's been caught out in a way by the fact that they did the pipeline. They're not admitting it, and I don't think they ever will because the implications of doing so. Uh, um, I'm, I must note that 
I have no idea if anybody died because of the cold. Let's just go to that UN Security Council uh, meeting. The Undersecretary General appointed by Antonio Guterres, the UN uh, Secretary General, Rosemary Di Carlo, appointed by this, this Antonio Guterres, said the UN is in no position to investigate. This is because there are doubts over the investigations currently being conducted by the uh, Swedish, uh, Danish and German governments into the Nord Stream uh, catastrophe. She also said it was unleashed by the invasion of Ukraine and we should avoid any unfounded accusations, as if kind of backing up some of the Security Council permanent members. I don't know what you thought of Britain's envoy. Uh, single source journalism debunked. I mean, I don't know what you thought of that. I, I, I didn't follow it that closely. I read an article about it today and I did hear about what the, uh, the Brits said, the Britain uh, uh, diplomat said. In America, the president has something called an immense power on the intelligence community. He can give what they call a tasking order to the community. He can say to the, the intelligence office, we have something called the ONI, Office of National Intelligence, which is with the supreme commander of, of all intelligence assets, including the military. And they have an intelligence office. He could ask them for a complete all source. They get access to signals, intelligence, et cetera. He could also ask the CIA directly because they have an intelligence division that does its own work. There's also a special little black intelligence operation for the covert forces we operations we have. There's three large intelligence organizations that have the capacity to get access to all. And he has not issued one order. He's not asked for any any evaluations. Jake Sullivan, the the, um, the guy who had a lot to do with organizing the the initial the initial operation, he was the national security advisor. He had a news conference in which he said, "Well, we're having our allies look at it." And he mentioned that he didn't talk about his own invest, American investigation. The Swedes and the Danes did do an investigation in September and October. They came out with this astonishing conclusion that indeed something had been, something happened under the water and it was an explosion. Whilst they can deny it and lie, um, as they have done uh, from stories from you, from Watergate to uh, uh, Milai to uh, everything else, this time it's the New York Times saying good reasons to doubt the story. I always had people that I could talk to since doing the Milai story in 1969 was a massacre that had been a year, done a year and a half earlier, about which I will tell you, the knowledge of that kind of stuff was known to many in the press corps. But if you're working over there, I can understand that. Over there would be dangerous to do a story like that. You know, the Americans would not like it. So there was always a hesitation inevitably about that. But when I did that story, more than half the country thought I was lying about it. You know, so I've gone through this, on, even on a mass murder story, which is so obvious to find. In the old days, it took a week before, you know, I got much response. I'd had to see, I, I wrote my first Milai stories and it was sent to 50 papers in one afternoon by Telex Collect. This was in 1969. Nobody wanted my story. Nobody in the world wanted the Milai story. I'll tell you that. We didn't know until the next afternoon when the out-of-town papers came in that they were, they, they, it, it had been a splash. Now it's so different and it's probably better. Look, this White House has no, not only no incentive to investigate the story, they have no incentive to ever, to ever deny it. I mean, look what they did. In late September of uh, last year, what, you know, how many, five months ago, they could have blown it up any time from, you know, the, I wrote about operations in Norway and all that, those earlier stories. I wrote about a lot of detail about it, an awful lot of detail, including stuff uh, inside some of the White House meetings. So, of course, 
I didn't name my source. <laughs> and if you notice, if you read it carefully, there's no suggestion my source was ever at any meetings. Because the one thing we're good at is tracking people. If I had if I had somebody at a meeting, they would know who was there and they would work from that. At this point, you know, their problem is, you know, get an illegal wiretap, which I don't think they'll do. Well, and Snowden, Snowden, who said the balloon, Chinese balloon story was he, he added to your original surveillance stories of the 70s, saying it is already bugged. If I were a reporter looking at this story now at the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal, I would try and find people, uh, even Americans who own or are on the boards of companies that uh, build pipelines underwater. Because I can tell you right now, I have empirical stuff I can't make public because I've, I've said I would not. But I can tell you right now that there's nobody in the, who, in the pipeline business, nobody who was a consultant to the companies that worked for the pipelines. And I've talked to those people, some have, somehow, at least one in particular. The one thing they're convinced of, of course, is Russia did do it because it's absolutely insane for them to have done it. Uh, by the time um, it happened in September, the Germans, the second pipeline, Nord Stream 2, was online. The worry has been that Russia, because of its enormous amount of natural gas and, and oil, all of uh, Russia, Asia is full of uh, raw minerals and, and gas, methane gas. We, there's always been a worry that Russia would, would, the word we use is weaponize, weaponize gas particularly um, as a weapon, political weapon, in, the, in the, the struggle with us that's been going on since World War II. When did this all start then? Because if they were planning it way before the uh, one, year, one year ago when uh, Russia moved into Donbass, we had a UN Security Council resolution. This would completely violate that resolution 2202 to try and calm things down when it came to the Ukraine uh, Russia versus Russian-speaking areas of Ukraine situation. We had Newland and the phone call saying, fuck the EU in 2014. Of course, all the media, you mentioned the New York Times and Washington Post said it, the whole war started a year ago. When did it start and why would uh, Joe Biden personally, you're talking about, and Jake Sullivan and uh, Anthony Blinken, they knew that they knew Minsk was in force and they just went, go for it, blow the thing up. I think the record of Minsk is pretty horrible. I mean, um, if you know Chancellor, former Chancellor uh, Merkel, said literally in the words I'm giving you, the West signed the Minsk Accords in 2014, which called for a ceasefire in the areas of uh, Ukraine that have a lot of Russian population. Uh, and she said everybody knew it just gave NATO a chance to build up arms. You mentioned Ed Snowden. Here's what interests me about him. I read his memoir, which is quite interesting because he was really a kid really in the computers and not in the political science. So he's in there and he discovers that the one thing about the NSA that I knew from, I've been reporting in Washington for the New York Times and before that for the AP, I covered the war, Vietnam War uh, in Washington in, in the Pentagon. Um, and so I got to know something, some people who worked in the signals world. And the one thing that I, I, I understood is that if you're in the signals world, you cannot intercept an American without a warrant. What Snowden discovered, was told and learned as a consultant, was that they had changed the law. They, they opened it up and everybody knew it. They opened it up so they could now listen. If you were listening to somebody who thought was a, an agent of Al-Qaeda and he had a conversation with an American, you didn't have to hesitate. Take it, copy it down. So Snowden, um, who was not a political person, a technological person, recoiled at this. 
And at that time, there were maybe 25,000 people working for the NSA. Let's just say, I know it's more than that, probably 10% directly knew the rules had changed. So it's a very important rule. Rules is always you do not listen to Americans as a constitution. And out of that, out of those many thousands, one spoke out about a direct violation of most, one of the most sensitive things in the American constitution, the right of speech, speech not to be monitored without a warrant. And so people sometimes talk to me about well, you know, you're a conspiracy theorist because, you, you know, one, the conspiracy, Snowden was one out of, what, 10, 15, 25,000? One to speak out. So there is something about the community that is bizarre. And Snowden, uh, the, the guts it took him to, to, to speak out and the price he's paying for it, I don't think it's safe for him to ever come back to the country. But the bottom line is the notion that there's something conspiratorial for a reporter to, it, there's just all kinds of people in the American government and many in the intelligence community and many in the military value the constitution. They take an oath of office to the constitution, not to the president. And those are the people I've gotten, I know many of them over the years. Those are the people, and some rise to see one, some become four stars. Some of the people I've talked to were leading way at the top of the climb, talked to me privately about stuff they couldn't stand because for them, the Constitution was the thing. And those people are the people I know. And I will tell you right now, they're also the people I will protect forever because, you know, why, why shouldn't I? And, and I'm telling you, what happened in Norway, the reason I wrote the piece of Substack, talking, going back to Lyndon Johnson, we all know that Johnson's premise for going, expanding the war and getting congressional commitment to do whatever he wanted in the war, the same as the, the one that uh, George Bush got after 9-11 that led him to go to Iraq. He could do what he wanted. He got a complete bill of goods right from, in, in a speech called the, um, the Tonkin Gulf Resolution in uh, the Congress passed after, after Johnson lied about what happened in the war. He invented a, a North Vietnamese attack. He and McNamara conspired to change the intelligence. It's not, this is not new, it's been known. I was thinking of that in the context of Johnson lied about something that led us into a war that killed 58,000 Americans, and get this, anywhere between one and three million Vietnamese. We don't know, that's, that's the way we deal with, the, with these people of a different race, I guess, one to three million. And so here we have a president's lying, not telling truth about something he authorized that did happen. And what's gonna happen now? I think in late September last year, it was clear that whatever we thought about Ukraine winning the war or standing up to the Russians was gonna be very unlikely which it is going to be very unlikely, despite what you read in the daily newspapers, it's not going well at all. So Putin's telling Western Europe and the Germans, we're so worried that you might decide not to support us all the way because you're getting oil from Russia. They controlled the pipeline, as I said, the Germans. Um, he was worried they would drop the sanctions and start taking the gas again. So what he did is, is he said to Europe and Western, well, you can't in a crunch you know, we're going to let you be cold. It's not cold this year, but I will tell you right now, the real worry is next winter. Although the excess deaths, a BBC piece said it was the highest on record in 2022 towards, you know, since the Nord Stream uh, destabilized prices. So uh, they're varying degrees and some people are saying they're not allowing the information out. But before, uh, to get away from the depressing idea that there's only very few people that uh, stand up for the Constitution amongst these thousands of people who work in your intelligence services, in a way, you're complimenting... Uh, Joe Biden and uh, Sullivan, Joe Biden, who everyone is saying, oh, he's senile and so on. 
there's an implication that the reason they gave away the fact they were pleased with the Nord Stream atrocity, uh, Newland, of course, saying it's a hunk of metal and in a way may give them some judicial help in any future court that they're allowed to covertly blow up the Nord Stream. Is that right? What? <laughs> in the well, sense that in Berlin, you say, you you say you, people were alarmed well, that they were publicly telling the press, hey, the Nord Stream has been destroyed. And uh, on the other hand, there is a reason why they might wish it be known that the action had been taken. Well, I'll tell you the point of view uh, that I gathered from the team, the very, I think, very competent team, that American team that went to Norway. We, we went to Norway to figure out what to do because the pipelines were running all the way down the Baltic Sea from basically outside of, uh, of Leningrad and uh, all the way down to Germany directly. There were 750 miles, two of them. And the thought was that the, pe the people assigned to do this project is, this was in before Christmas of 2021 when Russia was building up and it was clear that Putin had was mentally across the line anyway. It was going to be hard to get him off it. Uh, among other things, the rhetoric of the Biden anti-Russian rhetoric had, had improved. <laughs> Russia didn't need a war. Russia was has been doing um, uh, dealing with the West and trading and, and was profitable and and uh, Moscow was a, a town of tourism in, the, in, in nice weather, great restaurants and all that stuff. People very open about America. And, and to get back into a, a war, the public didn't want. But our rhetoric after Biden got into office, the rhetoric, if you looked at the statistically, the percentage of people who supported the Putin and the idea of war, they went up enormously. And he got political backing in a way from the rhetoric to do the war because he stayed, he's still staying reasonably popular in Russia, nobody likes him. Uh, when I go to Russia, everybody privately would say, well, you know, he's, he's a leader we don't like. Um, but he, he's, he's, he's not being challenged for the leadership, even though we keep on wishing he would be. Uh, the people who did this thing were assigned to do it in the intelligence community, the operators. They initially thought it was a great idea. Let's get a capacity. Uh, it was before, be, before, Russia was talking, but it was still late 2021. Let's go and find out if we can do it. And by within a few months, the White House clearly was told that uh, was told the people doing it thought this wasn't a bad idea to give the White House some options to maybe bluff or convince Putin that the cost is going to be very high. And um, but then when the White House blew, uh, Biden talked publicly about this within three weeks of the briefing or the information he got and Victoria and Newland both within a three week period in late January and early February of last year, both said publicly, well, we know we can stop it. And let me be, let me, let me, he said that a news conference, we will stop the North Stream one. And the president was asked after he said that by a reporter, it's, it's a fame, it's all on tape. It was a, a, on the nightly news. A reporter said, well, how will you do it? He said, let me tell you, we know how to do it. We can do it, language like that. And at that point, the guys in the group um, were upset because it was supposed to be a covert operation. And by the time they finally, they did their job, they made it possible, they, they planted the bombs with the aid of Navy divers. And then it just sat there. The bomb sat there for months, it was planted in June. By late September, there was certainly evidence of a, a serious issue. It wasn't gonna be a cakewalk for the Ukrainians like some people in the press wrote. Um, and at that point, the group that made it possible understood that he did it for political purposes, period. It's not going to help the war. 
what he was doing it for was to prevent Germany and Western Europe, in case the winter came quickly, uh, from opening up the pipeline. The German government had, they had done the sanction. They had stopped the pipeline, but the German government had the right to open up the new one. And that wasn't wanted by Biden. That's the rationale for the mission, to make sure that Europe and Western Europe keeps on funneling, supporting NATO and keeps on funneling arms into, into what is clearly a proxy war against uh, Russia uh, that's being fought right now. Thank you so much, Seymour Hersh. That excerpted interview with Seymour Hirsch was by Afshin Ritansi from his weekly program called Going Underground TV. You can find the complete interview at the Canadian-based streaming service called Rumble.com. They have also posted archived interviews Afshin did with John Pilger, Noam Chomsky, Vandana Shiva, and many others. Search for Going Underground TV on Rumble. Dot com. I may be reached through the website and PayPal or by writing to Dan Roberts at P.O. Box 1162, Willits, California, 95490. Please help me continue producing this weekly show, which I freely distribute to radio stations and the Internet, like supporters in Mendocino County, California, and Dublin, Ireland did this week. Many, many thanks. We will conclude with NHK World Radio Japan. Japan announced plans to purchase 400 Tomahawk cruise missiles from the United States. As Russia continues its war on Ukraine, it claimed that the U.S. was planning a false flag operation with toxic materials, which the U.S. says is disinformation. Foreign ministers of the G20 nations met in India, did not find common ground, and did not conclude with a joint statement. The FBI director told Fox News that the novel coronavirus was probably leaked from a laboratory in Wuhan, China. NHK Japan Japan plans to acquire up to 400 U.S.-made Tomahawk cruise missiles to help boost counter-strike capabilities. At a diet session on Monday, Kishida explained why the government decided to announce the number, something it usually doesn't disclose. As for the Tomahawks, we decided to announce the figure as it is a matter of great interest, and because the U.S. government will announce the maximum number that can be sold as part of the U.S. congressional process. Japan has earmarked about $1.5 billion for the Tomahawks in the budget for fiscal 2023. They'd be deployed as standoff missiles that could be launched from outside an enemy's firing range. But the government has not disclosed details of cases in which Japan would exercise its counterattack capabilities. Russian forces are stepping up their offensive toward the city of Bakhmut in eastern Ukraine. Russia is also claiming the United States may use toxic chemicals in Ukraine. Some observers are pointing out the resurgence of Russian disinformation operations. Bakhmut is in the most difficult situation, and it is a crucial battle to defend the city. Fighting is intensifying. The Russian Defense Ministry said the U.S. and others were planning a provocation in Ukraine using toxic chemicals in the form of false flag attacks to put the blame on Russia.
On Wednesday, the Russian foreign ministry said radioactive substances were delivered to the southern Ukrainian port of Odessa and elsewhere, and they could be used for a provocation against Russia. The Institute for the Study of War, a U.S. think tank, released an assessment on Tuesday saying that Russian authorities appear to be escalating their disinformation operations. It says Kremlin officials are increasingly trying to slow down the flow of Western tanks and other equipment to Ukraine. Foreign ministers from the Group of 20 are meeting in New Delhi. A major focus is whether they can find consensus amid deepening divisions over the war in Ukraine. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken, Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov, and Chinese Foreign Minister Qing Gang are among the attendees. The top diplomats are also likely to discuss how to deal with soaring energy and food prices. They did not find common ground and ended their meeting without a joint statement. There was a chair summary because there were differences uh, on the Ukraine issue, which uh, we could not uh, reconcile between uh, various parties who held uh, uh, differing uh, positions. The ministers discussed the global surge in energy and food prices, but they were not able to come up with a unified response. A senior U.S. official says Secretary of State Antony Blinken briefly spoke with Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov on the sidelines. The official says the exchange lasted about 10 minutes and that, and that Blinken reaffirmed America's commitment to supporting Ukraine. The G20 meeting was held behind closed doors. According to the U.S. government, Blinken said the meeting had again been marred by what he described as Russia's unprovoked and unjustified attacks on Ukraine. Russian state media said Foreign Minister Lavrov criticized Western sanctions on Russia. They said he called for barriers against what he, call, what he described as illegal sanctions that undermine free trade. According to the Chinese government, Foreign Minister Qing Gang said international issues should be decided through discussions and that different camps should not confront each other. A top U.S. official has told media COVID-19 most likely originated from a Chinese laboratory. It follows media reports of similar high-profile claims out of Washington. FBI Director Christopher Wray was speaking to Fox News on Tuesday. He said an assessment by the Bureau found the novel coronavirus probably leaked from a facility in Wuhan. He also said China is trying to block efforts to learn more about the pandemic's origins. China's foreign ministry spokesperson dismissed Ray's claims and accused the U.S. of trying to politicize the pandemic. The U.S. intelligence community's track record for fraud and deception shows its conclusions have no credibility whatsoever. The U.S. speculation about lab leaks will not discredit China. The comments come after U.S. media reported on findings from the Department of Energy on Sunday. It had also concluded with low confidence COVID likely originated from the Wuhan lab. The White House says it has not made any conclusions on the findings. Other U.S. agencies have also asserted the virus likely jumped naturally from animals to humans. 
Those reports were from NHK World Radio Japan. They are now heard from 8.30 to 9 p.m. at 9.865 or on the web at www.3.nhk.or.jp. They also podcast at most sites. All the times I announce are for Pacific Standard Time, so please adjust them to your time zone. One of my goals in producing this show is to encourage people to listen to international broadcast, get a global perspective. You will have to look harder these days because of U.S. and E.U. prohibitions on media. Every Thursday evening, I post a new shortwave report at the website for this show. That's outfarpress.com. At my website, you can also listen to past shows, Please consider making a safe donation online through PayPal. There's a link at my website along with a podcast link and get advice for listening at home. The shortwave report, which is now in its 26th year of production, remains free to rebroadcast upon notification. The shortwave report is produced and distributed off the electrical grid in Northern California using solar panels. I'm your host and producer, Dan Roberts. Thanks for listening.